welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Thanks for coming back this week to More Than Work. And this week, my guest is Chris Spade. Chris, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be on an international podcast, finally. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, I know I'm excited to have one. You know, I had to move over to London just to get one. (laughs) But yeah. Um, So why don't you just tell the listeners, who is Chris Spade? Um, well, I am, um, I live in San Diego, California, and I am a real estate agent. I kind of call myself the chief happiness officer because, um, I, I work very hard to, uh, make people happy during a real estate transaction. And I've been doing that now for, it'll be my 14th year. I'm licensed this December and it, seems like it was yesterday. Yeah, I can't believe that because we, I feel like, first of all, we met a lot longer ago than it would seem just by looking at us, you know? (laughs) We look so young. We do. We do. It's that um, tanning. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But but we met when I was in college and you were just out of college and we were at the news, at the local news station. Right. I was um, an assignment editor and weekend producer at KSWB Channel 5. And I remember you came in and you were my intern. And I remember thinking to myself, this woman is only a couple years younger than me. And now she's reporting to me. And that was just weird. <laughs> Because I was in no way the expert at that time, um, being a journalist and yeah, we just had fun. We just had fun with the job. We and did. We did. got hired. I you did get hired. Yeah, you did get hired, right? Yeah, I did. Right after or after my internship, I was still in college, but as a part-time job. So I would come do the news with you guys like two days a week and then on the weekends. Right, right. Work the desk. Right, that's right. That's right, right, right. God, that's it was so right. long ago. It was. And I like got to go on location <laughs> and hold the, run the tapes in. I know, right? It's glamorous. Everyone thinks television news is glamorous. And then you look at it behind the scenes and it's like, oh, you do that? Yeah. Yeah. No, but it was it was good. And actually, we went through, I was just listening to a story today um, on The Daily, which is a podcast by The New York Times, which I'm sure they're plugging my podcast to right, right now. Michael Barbaro, come on. But uh, I was listening to a story about 9-11 today uh, that aired a, a little bit ago. And I was thinking about that actually when I was riding my bike earlier today and I was going to be talking to you, but we went through that together. We did. And that was a big, for me, that was very formative. Yeah, I remember it was a Tuesday. And at that point, um, I don't know if you remember, but I I specifically remember I worked Friday through uh, Monday. So I had three days off during the week. I had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. And, um, on Saturday and Sundays, because uh, we were a little low budget back then, <laughs> um, 
I was working all day. So I would come into work at like 8 a.m. and not leave until almost 11 p.m. So I was the assignment editor during the day and the producer at night. So by the time Monday night at 11 rolled around, I remember being beat and got the call. Um, I was still asleep on Tuesday morning when that happened. And I remember we were, and then all of a sudden we were all back at work right away. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. School and we had closed the school closed down UC San Diego and I worked in the cafeteria and I didn't go to work there that day and you guys had called and I came in and I remember the thing I remember the most about that I think was uh, other than sitting with you all day basically I remember like you had me on three different television channels and writing blocks of news and then you were just busy incredibly busy the entire time but I remember when we got out to the parking lot that night. And we all kind of just were able to let go and mm-hmm. cry. lost and, it. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think everybody, everybody lost it, and it was. Um, I will say this: it was, it was one of the worst days in our country's history. And um, if I had to be with a group of people doing that type of work, I would have wanted to have been again with that same group of people because I think I think we we did a good job um, and it was incredibly rough and I remember after all that was over I remember calling my dad crying you know I was you know at the time I was 26 I think and um, he was like are you okay and I'm like no I'm not yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at, at that point, I really realized that what news people do is they, they really bring the worst of the worst to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we sit with it for eight hours a day and give it to you in 30 minute or hour chunks. So yeah, it was a, it was a definitely a turning point for me that day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can say the same and I know neither one of us is in a traditional media job right now uh, I'm in IT and you're in real estate, but we both have podcasts, which we'll link to your podcast too in the show notes, but you got out of news. And so do you want to talk about how you transitioned out of news? Um, yeah, it was kind of a two-step process. So what ended up happening is, um, after I left, uh, channel five in San Diego, I left the WB station there and then, um, I went to go work for NBC seven in San Diego and, um, I was there, I had actually interned there when I was in college, um, and then got a job at channel five and then ended up going back to NBC. And while I was there, um, it, it was kind of cool because it was different, right? We had more newscasts, we had more going on and I was hired on as a producer, but I didn't have a show. And so I was hired on, eventually got my own show there. And then, um, you know, I don't want to tout that, you know, I was still very young when I got into that business. And I feel like um, I probably maybe have been better at my job if I maybe went to a smaller market and started out and then came back to San Diego or Los Angeles or something. But I started in San Diego. And so I feel like the opportunities that were given to me don't always, you know, don't aren't given to everyone else. And, um, I kind of also felt like I knew a lot and, um, but I also feel like it was hard to get training. Like they would just throw you into things, right? Like it was just like, 
it was it was like being a fish out of water a lot of times because you were just expected to do it just do it do it do it and if you did it and it wasn't done the way they wanted then there were a lot of repercussions and criticisms and and i got criticized a lot when i was at nbc and i uh this is a true story i ended up um getting into several uh fights with my executive producers and um, I eventually got demoted from, well, I went it, I went from the weekend 6 p.m. And then the former TV station I worked at folded up its news department and then they came to NBC. And so we, we produced the news on channel five for a while. And so then they, they gave me my show back, but they had me doing the 6 p.m. and the 10 p.m. And they said, listen, all you got to do is produce the six and then just copy and paste it for 10. And but then I went back, you know, I, I went from working an eight hour day to like a 12 hour day. And I'm like, this sucks. And then, um, and then I got demoted to the weekend morning show, which is really the show that, you know, you start out on as a brand new producer. Well, I had already had seven years experience at this point. So I was like seven or eight years. And so I was like, well, this is BS. And so <laughs> talk about mailing in something. I totally mailed in that weekend morning show. I mean, it was just copy and paste from the whole week. And then um, just doing the absolute newest stuff off the top of the show. And then it was just dumb. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, didn't enjoy doing, you know, a lot of that. And then so at that point, I had um, I had a friend who was getting his real estate license, and he's like, "Why don't you just get your real estate license? You'll do really well at this job. You've got a really good personality. You should do it." And so I had started that process. Well, during that process, um, I went through. Um, I had a family emergency. My mom uh, died. She was actually uh, killed in a car crash. Mm-hmm. And it happened on December 21st, 2006. And, um, you know, most of the stories news people cover around the holidays are just holiday stories, right? Like, you know, last minute yeah. Christmas shopping and crowded parking and, and, you know, the kindness of strangers, that type of stuff. And so when you get a hard news story, on um on any given day the closer it is to christmas it's almost like the news gods are looking down on you going thank you and you know you're here you go and handing you this this burden in a in a nest right like just giving it to you and um and so she was killed and um it it happened in minnesota where i'm from and it ended up being a big story um, because the, it was, uh, it was the middle of winter in Minnesota. It was snowing, bad conditions and, um, you know, the, the tragic way in which she passed away in this car crash. I, I won't go into all the details, but anyway, um, she, um, so obviously, you know, I flew home, um, went to my, uh, my mom's funeral and it was just very odd because this whole time it was very, very surreal. Like, you know, um, and the funny thing is, is news traveled fast about my mom passing away in, in our business. And, you know, it was on the West coast. Everybody I had knew and worked with was calling me from all over the country. You know, um, I heard what happened and, you know, all that, which was, which was really kind. And I, and I have to say this, my, my former peeps over at NBC, they, I just couldn't think straight. They paid for my ticket to go home. They were really good to me. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it, it really was. And, um, 
um, when I got back home, you know, it's just, it's weird because you're, you know, you know, you're planning a funeral the day after Christmas, right? Like this is just not what normal people do. So anyway, um, I get there and then, um, what I realized is the news media was showing up at my family's door and they were wanting to come to the funeral and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I had a real epiphany and I was like, Oh my God, I do this to other people. Like I'm the guy that calls you and asks for a soundbite when something tragic happens. And I've been doing that for nearly 10 years at that point. And so I was like, this is horrible. Like I'm, a really, can I say shitty? I'm a really yeah. shitty person. Yeah. You get the explicit second row. <laughs> and I, so I knew that I was, I needed to be out. And at that point I had, um, I had actually um, gotten my license in the mail, my real estate license the day after my mom had died. So I had already passed the exam. Mm-hmm. And I got the license and I was going to go sign up with my company that I'm at now. And it ended up being that it it took a couple more months um, because I was just not in the right headspace to be starting a new career. But mm-hmm. um, that's how I transitioned out. And um, I went back to work, uh, you know, two months later. I, I had taken time off and gone back to work like two months later. And when I got to work, I remember one of my friends, she's an anchor and she was coming down the steps, um, at work and she goes, you look like you're about to plot something. And I just looked at her and I go, yeah, I'm going to go quit. And she's like, no, you're not. And I said, no, really, I'm going to go quit my job. And she says, no, you're not. And I go, yeah, I am. She goes, when I go, I'm going to do it now. I've already messaged, you know, our news director. And she goes, well, when's your last day? And I go, God willing, five (laughs) o'clock. So I, um, it was interesting. So I went upstairs and I talked to my news director, Greg uh, Dawson, who's still there and he's super nice guy. And I told him, I said, listen, this just doesn't make me happy. And, you know, I, I, I gotta go. And he says, yeah, we were all kind of surprised that you really came back. He goes, well, when would you like your last day to be? And I go, five o'clock today. (laughs) He says, can you give me the till the end of the month? So this was the, there was only like, I don't know, eight days in February. And I said, okay. And, um, I got through the rest of the month and ended my news career on February 28th, 2007 and started selling houses March 1st, 2007. And, that's history. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, there's a lot though there that happened. I mean, just from a personal perspective and loss and mm-hmm. the loss of a loved one. So suddenly, and then also you having the epiphany about your work. D- do you think that experience changed just the way you view these things when they happen to other people since then in general? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, when I was in news, I remember very specifically that that business jaded me. You know, it wouldn't, Mm -hmm. I would see things, I would hear about people getting shot or whatever, and none of that would phase me. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I I, I just wouldn't have sympathy. I I remember um, this NBC studios in San Diego used to be downtown San Diego. And I was on my cell phone walking out to get Starbucks. And I watched a man have a heart attack. And I just remember, I couldn't be bothered to have my phone call interrupted. Um, 
And I just walked to the security guard and I was like, there's a dude outside having a heart attack. Maybe you should call an ambulance. Like I didn't get off my phone. Mm -hmm. And what kind of person does that? I mean, that's a really horrible person that, that does that. And now, you know, I don't really watch the news at all. I don't watch local news and, and I, I do get my news. Um, I do follow a lot of my coworkers on Twitter and, and, um, you know, I'm very active on Twitter. <laughs> in fact, yeah, one got... of our, in fact, one of our friends texted me this weekend and she was like, wow, you're on fire on Twitter this morning. <laughs> so I, I, I got so blocked by someone last no. night. Yes. And I'm so proud. I could not be more proud of myself because who, who blocked you? Brian Cuban, Mark Cuban's brother. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, I was over a Rush Limbaugh tweet, but I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not gonna, I didn't say anything even bad. He was commenting about how bad the comments were. Uh-huh. And I just said, well, they're probably showing in the same compassion he's showing others. And I'm not going to get too far into it. Yeah. But then he, he ended up like retweeting me and like coming for me. And I'm like, really? So why are you coming for me? And then he ended up blocking me. Amazing. I'm like, yes. I mean, so I've never been blocked. So I was really happy. So I don't think I've ever been blocked by anyone on Twitter. And trust me, I follow, you know, probably all the same people you do. And I just fire back. But when, um, a mutual friend of ours, it was Stacy, uh-huh. uh, texted me and she was like, you're on fire. I just couldn't stop. I was, Sunday was great. You know, Sunday talk show days are great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where I get most of my news now. And so, yeah, I would say that that experience completely changed me and being away from that and not being so jaded. It's now, you know, I would never think nowadays if I was walking down the street and saw somebody having a heart attack that I would think, not think twice about stopping and helping that person or getting off the phone and calling an ambulance or something like that. So yeah, I think being done with that has really, and you know, like a lot of self-development too, you know, has, you know, made me become a more compassionate person. Well, interestingly, I saw this film at Sundance film festival years ago. Now had to be at least 10 years ago. And it was Michael Winterbottom's director. I don't remember the name of the film. It was a Paul film. And it had Casey Affleck in it and Jessica Alba and some other people. I can't remember who, but it was super violent, like incredibly violent against women. And at the end of the movie and this film, actually my friend who was with me had to turn her head. She couldn't watch it. That's how bad it was. And at the end of the film, some woman stood up and yelled at the director. You're sick. You're sick for making this movie. And it was gratuitous in a way. Mm -hmm. But then he addressed it. And this is years ago, Chris. This wasn't like, you know, a year ago. This was like over 10 years ago. And he said, you know, the reason he did that was because people become so desensitized. You hear someone was murdered. You hear a woman was abused. You don't think twice. And that's what happened to you. And I think that's normal. Right. I mean, that's normal. It's right. Because the violence and everything is normalized. We hear someone was killed. We don't think about who or what. And we can't mm-hmm. cry over every person, of course. But right. it's like the humanity has gone. And then I think, you know, you know, I've had tragedy in my life. You've had it in your life very suddenly. And I think that does work as a catalyst for some change in you. And right. that's the humanity part of it, which is the, the good outcome of all that. Right. But I don't I don't think the news doing that to you makes you a bad person, even at the time or a horrible person. It's just 
someone who's gone through these circumstances and this is what happens to the mind. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing now in the news, right? I uh, I think so. I mean, if there was ever a time I wanted to go back into television, it would have been the last four years covering mm-hmm. politics. Um, and at the same time, I'm glad I am not there right. because I would probably walk away pissed off all the time. Yeah. No, I... <laughs> I know I would. That's why I'm getting mm-hmm. blocked on Twitter. But, <laughs> you know. I think you need to wear that like a badge of honor. I, don't, yeah, I, I honestly don't think I've ever been blocked by anyone from Twitter. Maybe I should make that a personal goal. Mm-hmm. I can give you tips. Okay. <laughs> I should do a podcast just on that. How to get yourself blocked on Twitter. But, I, so let's talk a little bit about what, you know, the news wasn't fulfilling you anymore. And I know personally how that is too. You have something you, it's a dream and you think that's what you want to do. So when you switch to real estate and I know you do love it now and what's different for you in that career and why is that career good for you? So, um, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be good for me or not. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't know if, if this was going to be the end all be all. What I think did it for me and what made me appreciate the business and, um, you know, uh, appreciate myself more is the company that I chose uh, to align myself with. Because uh, for those people that don't know, real estate agents are independent contractors and we, you know, we're, we're not employees. I come and go as I please. I don't, um, you know, I don't have to punch a time clock. I can take an hour out of my day on a Tuesday and do a podcast, you know, I don't, I don't have to ask for permission to do anything. Um, and the thing I like, um, about the company I work for, I I'm with Keller Williams Realty, San Diego Metro, and the leadership and the ownership of our, our market center, um, is all about personal growth and development. And they have a, um, a mission statement that to me is very, very important. And at first, you know, you, it's a little hard to, you, you look at it and you think to yourself, oh, this is a little airy fairy and hard to buy into. Mm-hmm. What you learn is that once you bought into it, it will definitely change your life. So it's, um, and I think that's what did it for me. So my, my, um, the woman now who, owns my office. We've known each other, uh, going on 14 years and she has helped, uh, been a huge part of my personal development and personal growth. And then, um, I have also, I've reached out and gotten help from different coaches within the company. Um, and I think that that's really important too, when you're an entrepreneur is realizing that, uh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, the wheels there. So, you know, um, like the founder of our company says, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. You don't have to, you don't have to start this on your own at ground zero. You, you, you are able to go and piggyback off the success of others. And I think that that was, um, huge for me, uh, because there's not a lot of people that do it. They want to say they're self-made. And my argument always is, is you're, mm, I don't, I would say that not everybody is self-made. I would say that, you know, your, your mom had to teach you how to tie your shoes or your dad and, and you didn't learn how to count to 10 on your own, right? You, you've had teachers, mm-hmm. um, that have cared about you, whether it's your parents or the, or whatever. And so I think that that is the biggest reason is 
my aligning with a company that um, aligns with my value system. Did your values change or shift over time? Like when you joined, do you feel like it was the same set of values that you would say you have now and express now? Um, yeah, they have changed. I have to say that, you know, growing up, you know, my dad and I have a new relationship, but before that, like we were polar opposites, right? Like, you know, but the one thing I always said is even though my dad and I were opposites is he always taught me to have a really good work ethic and a high level of integrity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I always watch that over my life. And so I've kind of taken that into consideration with everything that I've done. I may not have agreed with everything that's gone on, you know, in work. But yeah, I would say that my value system has changed, like, you know, definitely the way I spend money, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, in my 20s, I was like, retirement is so far away. I've got all the time in the world to save for that. You know, now I'm in my, you know, I hate to say it in late 40s. And now I'm just like, God, I wish I wouldn't have spent all that money with Robbie in my 20s. And (laughs) we shouldn't have gone out as much as we did. And because you think about it and you're, you, I, you just think about like money. Let's just take that as an example. How much of it did you waste? Right. Mm-hmm. And when I say yeah. you, I mean me, you know, like, yeah, I, but I, we both rude. were generous tippers. I would say. At right. <laughs> I would say we were too. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, my values have changed over time. Yeah. Yeah. For which sure. is nice. And I think that then if you're working at some place that reflects those, that's good. And outside of work, you've, been involved in the community more and yeah. done different things there. Can you talk a little bit about how you've filled your time outside of work differently too? Yeah. So uh, up until about a year and a half ago, um, I mean, I'm still involved in the uh, local LGBTQ chamber of commerce and um, I started, um, well, I became a member, I believe it was probably 2008 or 2009 and, um, you know, just, just was an active member, um, within that and then, um, stepped away from it for just a little bit because I was seeing, um, a change in the organization that I didn't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in, I guess it was probably 2014 or 15, uh, probably 2000, no, it was probably 2013. The CEO of the chamber at the time, her name is Barbara Blake and a uh, wonderful woman. And, um, she has just a fascinating background, decided to reach out to former members and wanted to talk to us about why we left and what would it take for us to come back. And so, you know, she invited me in the lunch and, and she said, I want you to come back. Just give me a year. And if after a year you're like, I'm out, she goes, I'll pay you your membership fee back no, no questions. And I said, okay, that seems reasonable. So I signed back up and I really liked the vision she had for the organization. Well, (laughs) little did I know that in, um, in, it was, I think it was less than a year. Um, I ended up, uh, joining the board as a board member. Um, and went from being board member to being vice president of the chamber. (laughs) And then um, I was put forward for, it was between me and one other person um, as president. I won and (laughs) I ended up becoming president of the chamber and I served as president for, uh, I was just a little over two years before I um, 
decided to uh, call it quits as president. Um, and I think that was July of last year, 2019. Um, you know, we're st- I'm still involved in the chamber, but um, it's just differently because, you know, COVID. <laughs> It's kind yeah. of stopped a lot of our activities, but um, no, it was a it was a good time. We we accomplished a lot um, in the community, and um, it was it, it, it. And I I was introduced to a lot of people that I think I never otherwise would have been introduced to. That's awesome, and it's good just to kind of see even in that microcosm of in an organization like running for a position, does that give you any appreciation for what's happening now? Even, you know, there's a lot of races going on and staying out of all the politics of it in general, but just, do you have an appreciation for how it must be for the people running for office now? On I do. Uh, I do. Definitely. I, I definitely have an appreciation for what they're going through right now, because like you said, I did it on a much smaller level, but I will say this, that, um, I almost ran for city council mm-hmm. here this time around. So if I had, people would be voting for me right now um, because I was, um, you know, I, 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 I know the current city council member. I wasn't excited about the candidates that are running. Mm-hmm. However, I ended up voting for one of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I totally, it's, it's work. It's a, it's a lot of people pleasing and, you know, in your, in real estate, when you're, when you're searching for clients and you're really wanting to work with clients that, you know, obviously you like, right. You want to do business with people that know, like, and trust you, um, you know, you're dealing with, you know, one-on-one, right. Or a couple Mm -hmm. or whatever. But when you're the president of an organization, it's like, you have to keep people all, you know, you, you have to, first of all, you want them to like you. And then, you have to um, encourage them to buy into a vision um, as to like, for example, we changed the name um, and that was a whole brouhaha, you know, changing the whole name um, and doing things like, uh, you know, bringing the organization out of the closet because it was originally started as a chamber of commerce mm-hmm. that um, everybody knew that it was the gay chamber of commerce, but we didn't we didn't call it that, you know, it was called right. the greater San Diego business association. Everyone knew what that G stood for. <laughs> and so then we ended up bringing it out of the closet and we called it the San Diego equality business association, the LGBTQ and ally chamber of commerce. Well, when we did that, that was a whole big thing. And in my head, I'm like, but wait, we're bringing it out. We're, we're, we're making it exclu- inclusive. It's like 2018 and come on guys. And that ended up. So yeah, I get nobody is, even if it's in your own community, there, there's still going to be dissension for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much it seems like you all agree. I mean, we saw that this year for sure. We all agree on the same basic things, but then it's like the how gets involved and right. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot, it's difficult. I want to talk to you a little bit about just your personal growth you mentioned, right? And different ways of you looking at things. So I know one thing some people listening may be rolling their eyes at, but they probably have something I'm rolling my eyes at too. So mm-hmm. they can message me about that. But the secret, for example, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about how that's worked in your life? And Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I was first introduced <laughs> To the secret in the movie, I 
was just like, yeah, your thoughts become things, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the deeper I got into it, so I I watched the movie The Secret and I was very, very impressed with that book or that, that movie. And then I later read the book. And then there were a couple of people in there specifically that really excited me in there. And one of them was Jack Canfield. And he mm-hmm. has this great book um, called How to Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. It's a great book. It's a thick book. It is probably as big as the Bible. I mean, I, I think it's like 500 plus pages anyway. Um, and then um, Bob Proctor. So, and, and I actually had the chance to see him speak live um, last September in Dallas, Texas. And so what I learned is when I was um, doing more personal growth and personal development, as I was reading Jack Canfield's book, um, you know, the first, uh, the first chapter, I think it is, is uh, take responsibility for everything in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says in there that every decision you've ever made, whether big or small, led you to the place where you are today. And whether it's, you know, good or bad, whether you chose to uh, get up and exercise or eat a donut, right? Like Mm -hmm. every decision you've made along the way leads you up to it. And once you decide to take responsibility for where you're at in your life, there's no way you can move forward. And so for somebody who feels stuck, and trust me, I've been there plenty, mm-hmm. um, unless you decide that you're going to make and take responsibility for your actions, you're just going to stay exactly where you are. You're not going to move forward, period. Um, and once you can do that, then you go, okay, well, all right, I'm here because I, you know, after my ex broke up with me in 2015, I was you know, a little chunkier and a little happier. And the reason I was, was because I drank a lot of beer and ate a lot of bacon. Well, we're going to stop those two things now. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? It's, it's stuff like that. And, um, and then, you know, the, the, when you really look at it, your thoughts do become things, the things that you think about really do have an effect on your, um, mental health, physical health, emotional health, all that stuff. Yeah. So, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think that one thing that bugs me, and I don't know how you feel about it, is when people will say, oh, you're so lucky. Like, for example, I have a podcast. Oh, you're so lucky you have a podcast. No, I'm not. I've done. This is going to after we talk, I'm going to have to edit it. Right. I recorded the intro about 82 times or something because I'm like worried about my voice. And I just had to finally accept, well, that's my voice, isn't it? So that's it. And then the outro had to be re-recorded blah, blah, blah. It's not luck. It's fortunate. I'm fortunate that I have the means to pay for a squadcast or something. Right. I get that. And I'm, I do, I am grateful for certain things I'm allowed and I'm, you know, I have a company that's awesome that I work for. So I have some work-life balance so I can do this and it's not a problem, but it's not luck that I have a podcast. It's a lot of work. And I think people confuse like the secret and the power of positive thinking with not working for something or working towards something when. Right. Right. And there's work. I mean, there's work involved. I mean, you, you can't just, you know, you, you can't make a million dollars sitting on your couch 
wishing for a million dollars. You know, you can say, my bank account is abundant. My bank account is abundant. Yeah, well, it will be. But um, as one of my mentors says, you got to get off your duff and do something about it. Like you can't just sit there and not do anything. So in my case, it's like, well, I got to talk to people. I got to do a podcast. I got to make my videos. I got to be present on social media. I got to, you know, there's all these things that you have to do. You can't you can't just sit there and not do anything and expect the dollars to roll into your bank account. They're not waiting that way. You know what I mean? It's there. You can touch it basically, but you got to do something to get it. And so I agree with you, you know, and in your example of the podcast, it's like, no, it's work is work. And guess what? I'm doing it on my own time, you know, and I might yeah. be doing it on a Friday night at eight o'clock while everyone's out boozing it up at the bar at, you know, um, you know, having a good time. And I'm sitting here, you know, in between loads of laundry, editing a podcast, right? Like, you get it. And it's whether I love doing that or not, and whether I am super stoked about it or not, which I am. And I'm excited to be able to do what we're doing right now. It's just, it's not a matter of luck. And neither is like, oh, you're lucky that you got to move to London. Okay, we do have COVID here, guys. (laughs) You know, maybe it was because, again, like I worked towards something. And then mm-hmm. I did my work and I was asked to, you know, if I wanted to do that and whatever. And so I just think that sometimes I want to tell people, okay, reset that, reset that thought. And if it's more like I want to do that, then work towards that. Right. You know, and if you so, want to call it what you, whatever you want to call it, it's still the same thing. You're setting a goal or an intention and you're working towards that and focusing on that. Right. And, um, one of the things I do every single year, and I'm actually, it's sitting right here, is my vision board. I do, um, they talk about vision boards on The Secret. And um, even Jack Hanfield talks about it in his book. But um, I have a vision board here. And, you know, I certainly, when I when I look at my vision board now, I certainly wasn't expecting COVID. COVID was not part of my 2020 plan. No, you didn't have like a Pfizer logo on it. Or right. No, I didn't. In fact, um, I uh, I have a condo on there that I want to buy. Um, I've got uh, my trip to Italy that did not happen. So <laughs> that was a big one. Um, but the Olive Garden. The Olive Garden, exactly. <laughs> Felipe's Pizza Grotto in Little Italy. Great. Hey, they got good pizza and their meatballs are huge. And they're, it's called Italy. <laughs> All right. I was actually down there uh, last week and I did get pizza last week there. Um, but not at Felipe's. I got I went to a different restaurant in Little Italy. It was great. I love it. But, you know, when I, when I do look at my vision board, though, there was a lot that did happen in 2020 so far. And, you know, we still have two and a half months left of the year. But, you know, like, you know, I, I found love. You know, mm-hmm. um, my business is booming. Um, I actually have sold more this year than I did last year. And oh, uh, fun fact, I've actually sold more this year than any other year I've been in real estate um, and made uh, more money this year than I had any other year uh, selling houses. So, you know, that happened. I yeah. learned how to make work fun. And that's what I put on there. Um, specifically, I wanted to make work fun. So I really got back into um, 
my uh, virtual part of my work, like, you know, doing podcasts mm-hmm. and a lot of virtual open houses and um, just having fun with social media. I mean, I'm a trained journalist for Pete's sake. I, I should be able to do these things and convert it into my business. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I still don't have the six pack, but I think I look pretty good. <laughs> I did hire a trainer. So. Yeah. so there you go. And that's, that's work. Yeah, that is work. a lot of work. That is I, work. I did a vision board for the first time. And I'm I'm definitely one of those people who's rolled my eyes at those and like, oh, I don't need a vision board. And I always, I pictured what I would have to make if I made a vision board, like some big poster with, I don't know, for some reason, like cutouts of stuff that's pink, which I'm not really a pink, you know, right. wearer, whatever. No. And it ended up being this super cool activity of just, cutting out images that resonated with me and kind of what I want. And I don't know how things are going to turn out necessarily, but it was, it was a really good exercise in just focus. And so I would encourage anyone to mm-hmm. do that in some way. Right. right. But just set right. goals. Well, and it's a, it's a visual reminder. And so mm-hmm. every morning I get up, you know, I, I was looking for a place to hang it in my house and it sits below. I have this clock on my wall. Um, that um, a friend of mine had posted on Facebook and I was like, oh, I need one of those. And she hooked me up with a guy that makes it and it's called the now clock. And so it kind of sits at, you know, couch level. So when you're sitting on my couch, it's kind of in your face. And when you think that you need to do something or you want to do something, because there's so many times where I'm like, oh, I'll just do it later. I'll just do it later. And then, you know, later is like three weeks later. Right. And so now it's at eye level and I can even, it's kind of at eye level, even when I'm laying on the couch. And so I look over and I see now. Um, so I'm like, Ugh, so I'll just get up and do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned to do that. And, you know, uh, in my business, in my personal life in everything, if I put it off, it's not going to get done. So that's why I just do it. So that's why I would encourage people like right now is a great time to start doing something like a vision board. Just go through magazines and just start cutting out stuff that you that resonates with you. And then just plop it on there. The house you want to buy, the money you want to make, the love that you want to have, the the uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, just do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll, you're going to end up having this creation. And then, you know, like I said, I was trying to find a place to hang it up and I couldn't. So I, I'm at that age now where I do have a recliner in my house. <laughs> you got to sit in it sometime when you come back because it is so comfortable. I bought it and it was a, it's a club chair that is disguised as a recliner. <laughs> and so <laughs> when I was spying it, the woman's like, Oh, that's a recliner. I'm like, Oh, I'm too, I'm not old enough for those, but it's actually really comfortable. So when you sit in my recliner, my vision board is <laughs> across the room so I see it when I'm journaling every morning and and doing my gratitude and all that stuff in the morning so I think it's really funny so I get to see it every single day multiple times a day well and to to the point about the the club chair recliner I mean it's one of those things where we make fun of things older people do Mm -hmm. but then they later make sense like it's a comfortable chair and it's practical because a, a lot of times when you're younger, you buy furniture that you think looks really awesome, but it's uncomfortable and not good for sitting. Yep. Well, just give in, you know. Oh man, buy it that's a, made for sitting. 
it was the best purchase I've made. And I make everybody who comes into my house, not that I have a lot of guests right now, right now, it's just me and my boyfriend and maybe the neighbor will come over, but I make them sit in it. I go sit in it. You have to sit in it. It's so comfortable. And then just, you know, just squish yourself into it. It's so delicious. (laughs) They look at me like you're crazy. Just no, I'm not. No, you don't call a piece of furniture delicious. (laughs) But this chair, well, so besides sitting in a chair like that, do you have any advice or mantra that either was given to you that you like to share or just something that you came up with that you like to share with, with people if you can? So, um, so the other thing that I do, um, affirmations, I mean, like I do affirmations a lot and I think affirmations are extremely personal. Um, but even more so than that. So the the woman who wrote The Secret, Rhonda Byrne, she also wrote another book, um, which I would highly encourage um, anyone who's uh, looking to explore, read, and it's called The Magic. And what it is, is it's a 28-day gratitude practice. Um, and um, the very first day, Um, and you carry this throughout you, the very first two days, actually, the very first day of this uh, gratitude practice is every morning, once you wake up, you write 10 things that you are grateful for every single day, and to get specific. And so for example, let me just read you what I wrote this morning, I'll just read a couple. Um, So um I am grateful for my home. I love this little house and how cozy it is, right? Yeah. Um, Another one is I'm grateful for my family and that I get to see them in just about 10 days. Um, So those are just a couple and you write 10 of those a day. And then at the very end of writing your 10, you just write the words, thank you, thank you, thank you. Once you're done writing on that, then you go back and read each one. And then you say, thank you, thank you, thank you at the end of each um, one that you write. And so I started this practice in mid-January, I think. Somebody introduced me the book. And I have not stopped since January. So ever since then, mid-January, I'd say around the 15th of January, Mm -hmm. I've been um, writing this practice and reading um, a chapter. Actually, I read it every day. So I've been redoing the book over and over and over and over again. Um, Because then it just solidifies more. And then the second thing in there, the second day is um, getting yourself a gratitude rock, which also... um, uh, Jack Hanfield talks about in his book and you get a gratitude rock. And then before you go to bed, you grab the rock off your nightstand and you talk about what you're grateful for about the day. So that way, as you ease into your sleep, you're kind of going to sleep with joy and a grateful heart. And the idea is that when you wake up and you express your gratitude for the things that you have or desire or whatever, then you are, um, uh, you've got, uh, you're starting your day that way. So it kind of sets you up. It sets you on the right tone for the day and sets you on the right tone as you're going to sleep. And so I would highly recommend that. Okay. No. And I, you hear a lot, I mean, different ways of saying these things and this method is this method. And then there are other ones where it's constantly said, if you practice gratitude and you practice just articulating these things, it does improve your mental health. And I think where we are now with COVID and we we're quite honestly, I mean, people have different opinions. My opinion is it's middle of next year or something when we're Mm -hmm. kind of coming out of it. Mm -hmm. I think it is important to find something like this. That's going to ground you. Yeah. 
whoever I agree, whoever it is, right? Because um, yeah. I think the fatigue is everyone has it. If I wear a mask and I follow rules, I still have fatigue. And if someone else doesn't, it's fatigue. It's the same, but it's just expressed in different ways. Maybe I just <laughs> cry alone in my flat or something. I don't know. Instead of going out and <laughs> having no, a party in solo, but. You know. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, yeah. And you have to look at the blessings. So let's, let's take a look at this. You know, 2020 has just been like, you know, a crap storm for a lot of people, right? Including mm-hmm. me, you know, I, this whole thing happened and you know me, I'm a social person. I like yeah. to go to happy hour. I like to have my wine. I like to, you know, hang out and, and, you know, so this whole thing, like, you know, the two week lockdown turned into a month, which turned into eight weeks. And, you know, it was like, well, I haven't gotten a hug from somebody in eight weeks, you know, you yeah. just you start feeling really weird. And, but then, you know, it was funny, because, you know, like, I ended up getting into a relationship with a nurse. So how weird is that during COVID? You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like you have to, and honestly, I would have never met him had COVID not taken place. I probably would never have met him Mm -hmm. because um, I told you how I met him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was getting a COVID test. Yeah. He's a nurse. And so, um, you know, I start telling the story and people are like, oh my God, you're kidding. And I go, I know, right? And so then you've got to look at what is the bigger blessing. Yeah, it, it you know, Halloween's coming. Kids are not going to really be able to go trick-or-treating, right? You know what? They'll get over it. And when they're 50, they're going to be like, do you remember when we couldn't go trick-or-treating? You know, yeah. it's not going to be, it's going to be an event in their life that was, you know, to them so small because they were little to us, you know, you know, in 30 years, you know, if we're still around. Yeah. We're going to be, you know, um, we're going to look at that and go, God, that was, that was a long time. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's different, but yeah, I mean, I just look at the blessings about what, what is, what from this experience can I learn? Even if it's a, if, a, if it's a horrible thing, what can I learn from this experience to make my life better so that it doesn't happen again? Or if it does that it's easier on me the second time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So I have a set of questions that I call the fun five. So far, they've been fun, at least for me to ask. So we'll see if you think they're fun. So let's go through those. Uh, What is the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? Um, You know, I have um, a tank top I bought probably 12 or 15 years ago and (laughs) I wear it. Well, I try not to wear it out of the house anymore because it's pretty gross, but I'll wear it to the beach. And in fact, even when it's clean, it still smells like sunblock. (laughs) That's quite a feat. That's great. (laughs) Uh, So a lot of people are saying it's like groundhog's day this year. And it wasn't, I think more during a lockdown time. It's just every day is the same. So if it was really like Groundhog's Day, what song would you have your alarm set to play every single morning? Um, I would say Manic Monday. (laughs) (laughs) That came to you easily. Wish you were a Sunday. (laughs) Exactly. Which that's a fair song to play every day, really, because Sundays are pretty great. I Uh, agree. All right. Coffee or tea or neither? 
Oh, coffee all the way. As a matter of fact, I made myself an espresso before I got on here. <laughs> so actually, I this one is exciting because we've done this many times. But when was the last time you laughed so hard you cried or just couldn't stop laughing? <laughs> okay, so have you ever heard of this app next door? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. My yes, God. I have. It could have other names. It's so it's so bad. Okay. <laughs> okay, I know you do comedy. I've thought about doing comedy just because I get on this app and I could just tell stories from this app. So um, recently, well, it was not that recently. It was probably like eight months ago. Um, I was laying on my couch. I think it was a Friday or Saturday night. And I was, I don't know, half a bottle of wine in because <laughs> that's what I do now. And um, anyway, there was this woman complaining on Nextdoor about... Um, she wanted to know if she could file a noise complaint for her neighbors having loud sex. (laughs) And the responses that were coming from this, like, what is your problem, Karen? People need to get it too. Maybe you need some and blah, blah, blah. And then I learned that there's a woman down the street over on Myrtle Street that apparently is a moaner. So we've got a nickname for her in the neighborhood now, which I didn't know, which is called Moaning Myrtle. And so I was reading all of these responses to this woman wanting to file a noise complaint with the police department for her neighbors having really loud sex. And when I was doing that, tears were coming out of my eyes. In fact, my neighbor texted me and goes, what are you laughing at? (laughs) So you're almost getting a noise complaint. (laughs) too and i posted the screenshots on uh facebook it was hilarious yeah well that's like a pretty innocuous thing for next door too because they have some crazy stuff but oh yeah yeah for sure that's good and who inspires you right now kamala harris right now is a huge inspiration Mm -hmm. to a lot of people um you know I, i mean she's breaking down barriers for a lot of firsts and, um, I just look at her like today is her birthday and, you know, so happy birthday. You know, she is definitely someone who has, uh, dealt with adversity mm-hmm. and, you know, even during the last debate, um, you know, it was, it's just very interesting what she had to do just to fight to get her voice heard and what she's doing across the country. Um, you know, she definitely inspires me. Um, if it was someone from my past, uh, that's no longer with us, it would have been my grandma because mm. she's very inspiring. Um, you know, she's, uh, she was a ball buster man, but she, uh, she was very, um, she was very proud of me. I mean, we disagreed a lot, right? Like we disagreed a lot, but, um, I was her favorite and, um, she really, you know, she, she inspired me. She, anytime I needed a pep talk, she would always give it to me. And it was just basically, you know, the kick in the butt I needed to, you know, move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Grandmas are the best. I mean, yeah, mine, her birthday's in October, uh, Halloween. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And her name was Elvira. So <laughs> <laughs> she would this say, I did not know about you. She would say, when she'd meet people, I'm the original Elvira. <laughs> Is that your mom's mom? Yeah. No. Well, then I can see the humor because <laughs> your mom is funny. <laughs> so, yeah. So grandmas are grandmas are awesome. Um, all right. So the last question is just what 
if people want to find, learn more about you and I'm going to have show notes, but what do you want to promote or what would you want them to look up? Well, you can find me anywhere. You just Google me. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Bade. Just go Chris Bade, real estate agent, and I'm going to pop up everywhere. Apparently, there's a Chris Bade that works for Showtime. That's not me. Um, <laughs> but I think it's ironic that, you know, I have the same name as this woman who's an executive over at Showtime. Maybe we should do something together. Um, but yeah, I'm all over the place, man. I'm all over Twitter. That's where I unleash on politicians. <laughs> but yeah, so Chris Bade unleashed will be on Twitter <laughs> than anywhere else. It's just yeah, I just then YouTube. It's just my real estate videos. You know, sometimes there's a blooper or some dumb stuff. I'm about. I'm. I've got my outlines for all my stuff I need to make and you know change my costumes for my <laughs> my videos. Well, you can call the other Chris Spade at Showtime. Maybe they can help. So uh, yeah, maybe I can just do an entire reality show off my iPhone. That would be kind of cool. It would. <laughs> all right. Well, Chris, thanks so much for chatting with me and just talking through your path. I really appreciate it. I hope that people listening, you know, at least get maybe a good habit out of it, like gratitude journal or something. Like Hopefully. That. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Medke is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at RobbiaSaid.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.